You're listening to Shannon Taylor Talk. Heart to heart with your fascinating online friends around the globe. How do you help them break uh, from your own experience, breaking away <clears throat> from your emotional connection to that need for approval, parental approval, because that's where our, our issues kind of re- originate from. Uh, mm-hmm. And and we it takes so many years to get through that. But how do you, how did you do that and break away and then come out with a with a, with a whole sense of self that you have? Well, the first <laughs> the first thing I did was that um, I I in my sophomore year after my sophomore year of college, I was very unhappy um, because everything I had wanted to do as a, as a human being as, as an adult in terms of a career had been denied to me. So I. After my sophomore year in college, I made a deal with myself that I was going to spend the summer supporting myself, but also finding out how I was going to commit to what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, those were not days in which there were any kinds of grants or scholarships or anything like that. Um, and so I, the deal that I came up with was that if I went into nursing, I could actually very quickly begin supporting myself. So if my parents were not supportive about my going into nursing that I would find a way to make that happen and that was the beginning really and so I literally when they came to visit me that summer I was in New Hampshire living by myself and when they came to visit me I just simply said I I simply announced I was leaving college to go to nursing school and um, that was that and I had already um, registered by some miracle Mm-hmm. I was able to get into the Mass General Hospital School of Nursing, and I had already registered, and my mother was uh, horrified, and my father said, I accept your decision, and I will support you in this. And so that's how it all started. You and I think it's very important that young adults must mm-hmm. take that step. They must do that, or they will forever regret that they have not separated themselves from the parents. <clears throat> is this, do you think that, that the parental, that kind of um, pressure, that kind of peer pressure, I mean, children have peer pressure enough, but then we mm-hmm. have to accommodate the parental peer pressure of, of sustaining mm-hmm. their image in, in their mm-hmm. so, social circles. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, don't go to the barn and come back dirty, or, you know, don't... Yeah. And it's almost because of their image that they want to uphold, not about the uh, your emotional satisfaction and and fulfillment from playing with the horses. And you know, I think you have made a very excellent point, and I found that particularly true. Parents wanting to support their own image of what they wanted to look like to the public, right. and so they wanted their children to do certain things and to um, go to certain. I haven't lived in the East many years, but I do find in the Midwest, and that was really a to me when I, when I moved to the Midwest, that it was um, not an issue of that kind of um, import that it was in the East. Mm-hmm. I've never lived in the West on the West Coast, so I can't speak for that. But um, I found that to be stifling. I mean, it basically was saying that form was more important than function. Yes. And that really offended me, even as a child. And I used to ask questions about it, and I was told that you don't ask questions. Oh, <laughs> but I, I asked questions about that. <laughs> and was... so, you know, again, the form. Children are not supposed to ask things 
that are the parents consider rude or um, impertinent or however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I think there's much less of that now. Um, and this is very interesting because I had such a similar experience. I was, mm-hmm. I was born in the South and that's all mm-hmm. that, you know, the whole Southern makeup thing, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. the hair and the, the makeup thing. And then, and then, yeah. <laughs> I, I, honest to God, seriously, you have to wear the mask all the time. And I mean, at yep. least from, from my generation and my time, whatever. And, um, and then I moved to New York when I was in Boston when I was 12 uh, 13 and, mm-hmm. and that was a completely new world and I went oh my god there's so many people that that are expressing themselves and yet I was still cast in a of what the mold that I that my mother wanted me to be in to a certain degree that is correct and you have to when you're with me you're going to look right when you're with me you're going to put your makeup on when you're with me you're not going to be with the dogs or you know whatever and um, right and that was so uh, um um saddening to me that it wasn't acceptable it to be to be me or to be human or I was too too fat or too this or too that you know and I think that this is especially I think that's really been my mission is kind of saying enough of that the external mm-hmm. let's move it back to what is real beauty what is real um a life force that is flowing through women not this exterior thing that we have to do to accommodate others' expectations of their own image, not ours. Right. I agree with you. Where are you living now? I'm in New York, and um, and oh, you're still in New York. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, the times have changed. Yeah, but I'm spending a lot of time in Colorado, and the coolest thing about ah. Col- and the, yeah, the coolest thing about Colorado is the is the natural acceptance. But also, when I was in Boston, there's more of a natural acceptance where you don't have to use that the you know all of the exterior stuff. It's more about mm-hmm. your intellect. But there is a certain group of people that just uh, maintain this, and I think. When we are raised that way with parents mm-hmm. that are very image conscious and and vanity focused, that mm-hmm. we lose a little bit of our self esteem along the way, because oh, yeah. we have to we because our our human need is to be loved and we think mm-hmm. that's love and approved of, and and we mm-hmm. try to accommodate that. And what was so great mm-hmm. about the horses is that it brings out, or any animal therapy, that it brings out these things that you haven't even dealt with over the years. That is correct. And it and it lets you heal these things and say, oh, you know, I can I can be me and love <laughs> doing what I do, and it doesn't matter if I, if my do, my boots are dirty or <laughs> you know, or my hair is in a ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> that right, it, that right. that's that's me, and the, and then therefore we attract people into our our lives who resonate on a real level, not the superficial level. That yes, and I think that is a common, very common energy among um, horse people. That mm-hmm. they it's an unspoken thing that they feel comfortable with one another because they are truly without pretense. <laughs> if you're a true horse person, you have no pretense. If the horse has made a fool of you so many times, you just sort of that's it. Yeah. And and you're always, you know, you're just grounded. That's all there is to it. Yeah. But what fascinates me about you is that now, is your journey through all this and and you are now teaching people to to come out of their shell and to and to own their own self-esteem, their own power. Cuz it's very hard for mm-hmm. women to own their own power. <laughs> it certainly is because there are many many forces that exist certainly today and very strongly that deny women the right to have a power. Um, but I think that, you know, that's another reason that women have a lot of um, uh, resilience. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and um, they're very strong because they are accustomed from the time, really, of birth to be um, subjected to stresses and to um, learn, hopefully, how to deal with them. But the saddest thing for me, and I'll just say this if it doesn't take up too much of your time, saddest thing for me long-term is women who have been abused as children of, in any way, mm-hmm. physically or otherwise, mm-hmm. um, especially, especially when it is a strong emotional kind of abuse. What I find with those women is as adults, yes, they can retrieve a certain amount of self-esteem and so forth and so on, but actually they live many of them live their entire lives always feeling a sort of smoldering sense of I'm never good enough. Oh, yes. And that's very sad. And um, I I don't know. There's nobody that can make them or help them overcome that. But the, one of the reasons I think that horse people who are these kinds of women resonate so well with the horses, that the horse is so unconditionally... Um, uh, they have no attachment in terms of um, uh, expecting something unrealistic from you. And so the relationship is entirely honest. And I think that is very comforting from women for women who have come from these kinds of very abusive, not necessarily, again, not necessarily abusive in terms of what the law would not allow, but just right. abusive relationships with their parents. An energetic abuse, yeah. Um, and then this perhaps is their first experience with unconditional love. Yes, I believe it is. And so often you find with these women that they uh, hang out with horses and or dogs um, mm-hmm. and and because they're safer. You know, they, their experiences with humans, the most important humans in their lives, have not always been um, very positive. Do you think these things manifest um, in in our body? If we continue to suppress all of these things, these emotions, and try to continue to be what we know we're not uh, inside, mm-hmm. what we don't want, you know, and is this manifesting in our body on a collective level sometimes and through illness and... and um, uh, are you seeing that? I mean, do you do you have women coming to you like uh, that are that have had cancer, that have had different diseases, and and that you are helping them work through those things? Well, I know Linda Kahanoff has done a lot of this. The woman who wrote the Tao of Equus at her place in Tucson called Epona. I personally, I personally have not focused in that area because. What I find is, on a more positive level, mm-hmm. that when people have had um, these kinds of serious illnesses, that often through the, their interaction with horses, for instance, when they come to our workshops, the outcome of that is that they just feel a whole lot better about themselves. They feel healthier. And I think that's another thing, that if one is really going to be actively involved with horses, you have got to be physically conditioned um, and so forth to do this kind of work and being physically conditioned uh, often I mean truly indicates that you are going to be strong mm-hmm. and balanced uh, have good balance and good coordination and so forth and so on um, that's going to be very important in terms of your being able to relate successfully in the horse world so I find that these women who have come to me with, you know, they've had some serious problems, heart problems, mm-hmm. cancer, so forth and so on. But that 
becomes not the focus of their attention. It becomes kind of like a pothole, and that their work with horses allows them to move past the pothole. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but yeah, <laughs> that's it, how I see it. Yeah, it does because you are also you're, you're you're moving through it and you're you're releasing it without even really realizing you're releasing it. And uh, yes, without focusing yourself in right. that way. The other thing is that I think one of the most ignored aspects of our body health is the lymph system. And I always laugh to my students. And I say the reason for that is there's no money in it. Right. But in fact, one of the things that is the lymph system is really the cleansing system of the body and if one is sitting in a chair all day or or living a very sedentary life the limb system just gets all sludged up and um and but riding uh for instance if you i don't know if you know what posting the trot means but Mm -hmm. rising at the trot and any kind of riding tremendously stimulates the limb system Mm -hmm. and so you would expect then and i don't know of any studies have been done but you would expect that riders would have a healthier um healthier body than, say, the ordinary population that might sit in chairs all the time. 